All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Any long that game, and shout out to Red Light Crew. Hey, you're one of 12 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. Yeah, you know what? The, to define that uh, uh, better, um, I think the key there is... Uh, I just lost my trend of thought. It's embarrassing to play that in front of our guest today. That is footage of Bob Nicholson doing Jason Greger's show. (laughs) And during Jason Greger's show, Daryl Cates phoned him. And he's got his phone set to like old man mode where it reads the name of who's phoning out. Mm -hmm. And then he entirely lost his train of thought. That was like the highlight of the last five years. It it was one of the (laughs) 10 times Greger asked him, what is the culture of the Oilers? And he was fumbling his words, and then that happened, and it became even worse. It was uh, quite the scene. We had to put it in our theme song. Yes. I don't so even amazing. know yeah. what to say. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very special episode of the Real Life Podcast. We've got one of my favorite Oilers of all time, legit, Thank in the you. studio with us today, Ladislav Schmid, who was an Oiler from 2006 to 2013. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for taking the trouble. Come on down. No problem at all. We've been sitting here kicking it for 20 minutes. And we were saying, shit, we've said all the interesting stuff already because we're, <laughs> we're doing good work. we got a lot of interesting stuff to get through today. We want to talk about uh, your career coming into the NHL, coming up through the Czech hockey program and, and how that worked, being traded to the Oilers. We'll get to that. Time in Edmonton and then going to the bastard Calgary Flames as a secret sleeper agent that was sent on behalf <laughs> of Edmonton to destroy the Flames from within. We can get to that later on. Sure. But uh, maybe we'll start out with if you want to talk about your your minor hockey re- career in Czech Republic. So where were you born? Uh, I was born in uh, uh, in Liberec, my hometown. Still, I play for them now. But uh, yeah, uh, how many people live there? Like hundred thousand people. But you gotta imagine that you know Czech is only ten million people. 
as a whole. And like, actually my city is, I think like the fifth or sixth biggest in Czech and it's only a hundred thousand people. But still, like for me, it's like a little village. Everybody knows everybody. You know? So is it like you, you start out playing junior, like as a minor hockey league for a club and you stay with that club the whole way? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's how it is. And, you know, uh, obviously there is a lot more clubs, but my club is, uh, you know, goes from like, I don't know, when you're four or five years old and you stay with them. And lucky enough, uh, the the senior team is in the top league too. So that that's, that's great for young guys. And all of all of the like the junior programs uh you know depends like how how old you are they're in the top leagues and they're like within like a czech hockey federation so it's when you play for for our team it you know it's privilege and you know a lot of people want to be on those teams because you have only so many uh, so many uh roster spots it's almost like soccer uh, clubs are really more investing in their players at a younger age and sort of nursing them yeah. along through the under years. yeah yeah for sure and you know the the, the problem now is uh you know hockey costs a lot, a lot of money and when i was starting the 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 hockey programs like whatever age it was it was like overpacked like with players like from just our city that you had like 30 30 kids playing hockey for for each of the you know programs like five six six seven now now the teams like the bigger teams like our team they have to go all around check to get players to come play for us because there's not it's enough switched. kids yeah because it's it's you know you, you have other sports that they're much cheaper for parents you know like a floor hockey or soccer you know so, so a bunch of kids are just lazy these days you know they just want to play video games and stuff yeah, and is Fortnite available i'll play that guy okay, i I never got into it, thank God, because I I've heard it hurts some some guys' careers. <laughs> Not just in hockey, but in soccer. You read all over Europe that guys are staying up till like in three a.m. to play Fortnite. Times if I if, if I stay up till three a.m., I'm yeah. doing different. <laughs> yeah, you're having fun. Yeah, you're bonding Fortnite. with your teammates. Yeah, so you're doing I, team building shit. Exactly. I couldn't say better. Like there's there's teams that have banned that kind of stuff just because of the distraction it is. Well, they should. Well, I mean, I mean. Do you really? Do you think so? It's better not to be in the hotel room on the road playing Fortnite with teammates. It's better to be in the club. <laughs> but they're like, playing till like four in the no, morning every day. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, like especially before the game, the night before the game, just go to sleep, like watch movie, have dinner with your with your teammates. Like that's what we did. Like, have dinner with your teammates, have a beer, or, like glass of wine, and go back. You know, like whatever. Like you don't have to stay. Like you gotta be a little disciplined, all to then just stay till three a.m. and fuck, like play some dumb game. <laughs> like, like I might get crucified by people because they it's like a religion for them. But honestly, like you have a job to do, and tons of people would kill to do that job. What you're doing, you're doing something you love. Then you are so careless that you play a video game till three a.m. or like five a.m. and then you have a huge game. 20,000 people is, is going to watch you and like you're tired and just because of game like it makes well, yeah, zero. It, was, it was really bad in the NBA when teams were showing up to practice and it like the rookies all the kids that were like 21 and under they were showing up and they were visibly tired and their coaches were wondering why can't they practice like why is this happening every day and they found that it was Fortnite. yeah and so that's why in the NBA most teams will not let them play that but honestly, like I would be terrified. Like when I started in the NHL, I would be terrified to to show up because of thing like this or like just show up like tired, mm -hmm. show up in front of like guys like Steve Stales or Jason Smith. 
I think David isn't here to hear about your video game addiction. Oh, man. He He will beat it out of you if you have one. I I honestly would feel like he would rip my head off. Like, I would be scared. I, like, my dad would kill me. Like, growing up, my dad, you know, he played hockey and he was, uh, he was. Did he play for the same club that you did? No, a different club, but it was like part of the, it was like part of the government, like an army club. So they were really good for a long time and they won a bunch of titles, but. It was like based on discipline, like everything. So when I was growing up, it was all about fucking discipline. Like, like he would fu- like here in Canada, like he would smack me and two like shit like that. Well, that's that's just like he was behind the, the iron curtain. Yeah, that, that's that's like just like the culture yeah. that yeah. in Czech and back in the day was even worse. Like it's great dad. Like he taught me a lot and he taught me discipline. But obviously you, you fuck up sometimes and like yeah, so I got the belt or whatever and. You know, like I, or actually, yeah, I, I was training with with him like for a couple of summers because he was a coach after after his playing career, okay. and so I was like, you know, I didn't have a trainer, so my dad was like, okay, I'll you know, I'll train you. Like I I knew what to do. I had a program what to do at the gym, but like I like to run and like ride bikes, so he made a program. And a couple of times, like I showed up during the week hangover. Like young guy, you know, stupid. Had you already been drafted at this point? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're in yeah. the NHL. Yeah, I was in the NHL. So you've arrived. I, I arrived. And you've elected to cheer to train with your dad. Yeah, perhaps and, a mistake in, in looking but, back. Man, <laughs> I I showed up hungover and it's like my mom saw me like in the morning. It's like maybe she goes to it's like maybe not the right time to train. It's like fuck no. It's like if he can drink, he can he can go through. It's like of course he added like thirty percent on top of everything we did. Almost like. Like I, like I stopped drinking during the week because it was like it was a punishment. Like it was like I was basically on my force, like thinking about throwing up. It was like it was it was terrible. So hopefully the kids are not listening to this because oh no one listens. Hockey players, don't worry, laddie, no one's listening. But yeah, he he taught me lesson like this way and like so it's all about the discipline. Like stuff like this is like mentioning the Fortnite or you know, like come on. Like, especially you have arrived in the NHL, like something like million, like millions of hockey players dream of. Like, I, I know like with, with my teammates in Czech, yeah, some of them are like looking up to me because because they want to play in the NHL or they wanted to play in the NHL and it's, you know, it's it's gone for them, but it's I guess it's cool for them to play with someone who experienced it, you know? And, and they see what it takes. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Do you think it's harder in 2019 to come into the NHL now or in 2009, pre-social media, sort of, pre-Fortnite, sort of, pre-Tinder, pre-all the apps that make life like so easy for these lazy fucking kids? Man, there's like a lot, lot more destruction for sure. Now you got to be way more careful. You don't have any privacy. I, I feel I feel bad for guys, you know. Um, it wasn't as bad when, when I was when I was coming in. Are you so happy Insta wasn't a thing when you were coming oh, up? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm not. I'm not huge in social media. Yeah. Still, I like my. I like my privacy and sure. all and all of that. I I feel bad for kids these days because the uh, the the league is getting younger. A lot of you know you're much younger getting into the league and you're kind of inexperienced. I'm I'm sure some of the like higher draft picks they are getting trained for it to for social media. Yeah, you know, for social yeah. media. I'm, I'm sure you know to not get into it or not get into trouble but it's still like it's got to be harder you're still 18 19 year old you're a kid you're not well a man. and as much of it as it's a self-destruction type of thing where they can do it to themselves 
you not being on social media is still a matter of like somebody else doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Somebody taking a video of you at a bar doing a shot and it just looks wrong. You know what I mean? Or you oh, might yeah. be stumbling out of a bar late night. It's just, it's not a matter of always what they're doing to themselves. It's a matter of what everybody around them is now capturing way more videos and anything can be posted. And it's just, it's like, it's got to be a killer. And yeah. I don't know how anybody... It is a, it is a killer. Yeah. Like you cannot really enjoy yourself anymore. You know, like you're you're living in this little box because you're scared that somebody's going to see you or like, you know, it's... Is it like that in the Czech Republic for your teammates still? Like, are they all on social? Are they having... Oh, DMs? yeah. Like yeah. everybody's on social DMs, media. I, I don't... in the DMs. They're yeah. famous. Yeah. It's not... Like obviously NHL is on a different scale, but uh, but they're Czech famous. But but Czech, Czech famous, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you're you're known you're known person, but for sure it's more da- dangerous in the NHL. Like I like social media is big in Czech, but not compared to North America. Okay. North America North America is insane. Like yeah. I, people are. It, it's I, I feel like. <laughs> Like everybody posts their life on, on the life social. that they want you to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, don't you like just live your life? Like, how much time of the day does it? Like, I would rather live my life and enjoy my kids than spend my fucking eight hours on on the phone just fucking trying to convince somebody that my life is so fucking great. Well, but also there's the fact that your life is insanely great, right? If you're a 19 year old and you're like, guess what? I borrowed my dad's infinity on the weekend and I took it downtown and I spent four hours flexing on the hood, taking my my photos, right? Those are like the tryhards, right? Your lives are like the flip, right? Where all of a sudden you, how how old were you when you came to Anaheim? Uh, I was 19. Yeah. I was 19. And and you're like, holy shit. I just left the Czech Republic. Yeah, it was like for the first time, like living without my parents, basically. And it's like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? But, but great experience. It's better when somebody like, but again, it wasn't social media. It wasn't that dangerous. Yeah. But like living your life wise, just throwing you out there was the best thing ever happened to me. So you went to Rochester, correct? No, uh, Portland. 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 Yeah, Portland. Yeah, yeah. Portland. Portland. Was that good to get a year in the A? Yeah. And, I was lucky enough that my coach was Kevin Dineen, who helped me tons. Like I can thank him enough. Like I love that guy. Uh, just old school, old school guy. You know, great character. I, I, I had a great year. Um, Did like you feel I, a lot of pressure when you're? Is your ninth pick overall? Yeah. Uh, Were they good at? I that? wasn't. I wasn't tr- like some kind of pressure. More for from like the guys we talk about, like in lockers, like. He was like such a high pick, but from a coaching staff, not really. Like they, they knew or the management, they knew I needed some time to adjust. The biggest issue was the language, you know, like. So that was going to be my question was, we kind of related to Jesse Pugliarvi here. Now we've seen Nell Yakupov go through it. When you came here, what kind of was your language barrier problem? Did you have a Czech teammate that you just stumbled upon that helped you with it? Kind of what was that like at the beginning? Uh, I was also lucky. I, I had Igor Pohanka. Uh, he was Slovakian, so he helped me. He helped me get set up with a bunch of stuff. And but in for, Portland, in Portland, yeah. yeah. But like for me, it was very important to be part of the like the locker room talk. You know, like you don't know, uh, you, you don't know what's going on. Like it's 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 awkward. Like you're just quiet. It's it's basically yeah. Miserable. They might think that you're being kind of like an outcast, or yeah. like just kind of quiet. But it's really that you want to be involved, but oh. you can't. So. So uh, yeah, that's that's the next thing. So the team uh, hired a teacher for me, and they. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that's really that's good. Oh, really good. Yeah. That's a, 
Like a you language, willing to, like you're, a language tutor? Yeah, yeah. I, I had to read like fucking kids' books since holy fuck. <laughs> like, like it was uh, for me. Like it for people it would, would seem dumb, but for me it was very important. And then I was watching also movies with subtitles and like just trying really hard. And then you're in a locker room and you pick up a lot of stuff. So within like few months, obviously my English wasn't perfect. It was still not but it's do you speak your english is great now do you speak any languages other than czech and english no no yeah. no just this uh, yeah so it, it helped me locker room dog helped me and and then you go you go uh you go for beers like or dinners with with, with your teammates and and like kind of like i i felt the second part of the season was much more enjoyable for me because i felt like part of the team uh and and they accepted me they wanted they uh, the biggest thing is they they see you trying, you know. If they see a guy who is like, you know, keeps him, keeps to himself, like he doesn't really socialize and stuff like that, they reject you. But they saw I really tried to go for lunches, dinners with them, go for beers, you know, whatever. And and Brian Burke was my uh, was the GM in in Anaheim, and that's what he encouraged me to do. It was like usually they tell you not to drink or. Fucking don't don't go after broads. Yeah. Like he was the opposite. He's like, I need you to socialize with the, yes, with the sir. Well, Yeah, it helps out total team chemistry. When these guys see you trying, it makes them want to help you even more too. Oh. So now you now you don't just have the guys that maybe the Slovakian that you said earlier or yeah. or somebody helping. Now these guys are all helping you, and it does, it's it's huge for that bonding and like oh. just getting you to be more comfortable. Because if you're comfortable, you're gonna play better. Like it's oh. just it's oh for sure yeah yeah it's all about it's all about the. Uh, it's it's all about the yeah, like you said, feeling comfortable and even on the ice, uh, you know, it started like somebody would rock me and nobody would really give a fuck, you know. But <laughs> yeah. but there, then as the season went on, like guys saw like I'm trying, like I'm learning new new stuff because in Czech it's like a it was like a non-contact basically, not not too much, not not that physical like in A, uh, and yeah, so guys would like stand up for me and. Uh, it was really nice to see. I, I really felt like part of the team, and you know, it, it was it was it was a great year, great experience for me. I play with some great players, and you know, like a lot of them play in the NHL. Now, uh, to comment, like uh, that, I think that's amazing, and kind of like a testament to your character that you wanted to put in the effort to 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 be, you know, a teammate. You know, get involved in the room. There, the question I want to ask about that is, you know. New, new to a new world, you know, playing, learning a different game, you know, trying to get in with the team. That that tipping point once the team kind of like got behind you uh, and started embracing you. Did that also like? Did you did you notice like your play change as well? Like you felt more comfortable. You started performing better. Um. So I had re- like really good start like made a bunch of points and stuff and like i was like maybe i'm gonna get called up but little did i know fucking like you know they they had a plan we had, um, a, we had a plan too but yeah. we'll get to that plan we're gonna watch it we're like okay let's get him get his gear in the a that we're gonna take him we, we need him here yeah and yeah so after that uh after like first 15 games you know i cooled off and like hit like a rough rough patch I, a lot of rookies go through it um but then like Things like started to tip over again because I started to lear- learn the language and felt more comfortable, and and the team was behind me. And of course, like I, I felt, you know, then you go to the games and you, you have zero distraction. The worst thing is if you have, if you're thinking, does he like me or like, 
he's not really they doesn't feel like i'm part of the team they they think i'm this european pussy you know like most of like a lot of guys thought that um you know for sure like when you feel comfortable you feel part of the team everything is like kind of falling into places yeah my my I, I think I started to play more like a North American player, not just like a European, you know, like started to like hit a little bit more, like being physically involved, which is like a big, big part being being uh, able to make it to the NHL to make the next step. Now, I, I, sorry, I want to I kind of want to jump back because I felt like we kind of jumped far into the kind of the pro level uh, going back to Czech being a, a kid that's, you know, wanting to play hockey. When, at what age level did you all of a sudden, like, or did, you know, the club realize, like, holy shit, we got a star on our hands here. What age, like, what, like, at what age did that kind of happen? Well, I was, I was always, like, going with, like, a year older, uh, kind of throughout my younger age. I'd say when I was, like, 13, 14, then I started to get, like, called up for, like, a, a national team under 16, and under 17 and I was uh, even even in those ages I was with like a year older and so I think at that at that time and then re- really when I started to believe I could like make it somewhere like high up in the draft like I uh, I made it to uh, I made it to the under 20 world championship uh, with 1984 and I'm 86 so that I played three. So you don't wear a full cage. In yeah, that. yeah, yeah, I was. And yeah, I had these. Yeah, so the. But at that time. So sorry, what year of the World Juniors was that? Two thousand three, four, three Helsinki it was. Okay. And can we yeah, confirm but, your Ram check? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I that that year I started to play for uh, our top league senior team. It's like I was sixteen. And I played few games at the end of the year, and then when I was seventeen, I played like fully on the team, so that helped me. And uh, yeah, the coach from under twenty, the head coach, he saw me. I guess he liked what he saw. He gave me a few tournaments, and and he named me on the team, and that was a big, huge experience. Fuck, like all of a sudden you, you still read about these like guys, guys when you're like growing up, and they're like they're gonna be high up in the draft, like Getzlaff, Perry, uh, Brent Burns. He was a forward there. Yeah. Uh, holy shit. And like Shea Weber and like, like fuck. Yeah. All of a like, sudden you're those, like, that was like the super teams. Yeah. It's, it was insane. Uh, making it there and yeah, full cage had these fucking wooden sticks. The Way team, more than you did. The, probably. the fucking team wouldn't buy me at the, like the carbon sticks back then. <laughs> it was like, you're too young. You still, you can still use play with a wooden Lu- stick. Using the old Louisville's, eh? Like, you know, sure. No, no, I had, I had like a, <laughs> What the f- like a weird Czech brand. Yeah, yeah. Lion. Yeah. Lion. It was. It was called Lion. It was Czech brand. Yeah, it's made it was of cement. Yeah. It was. It was so heavy. And then uh, at the tournament, because the tournament has uh, like deals with the companies, like sponsorships, CCM sponsorships. Yeah. They made me spray over it, so it was even heavier. It was insane. <laughs> and it's like I, I took, I, I uh, found one. I was, I was trying to compare it with with these like warrior sticks I have. I was like, fuck. How th- and and the young guy, like I, I was pretty weak. It's like, how did I ever fucking play with that? You think they could have just given you some sticks for the tournament? No shit. When you were thirteen, or was it twelve? Was it your first time in Canada when you came to play for the PV yeah, tournament yeah. in first Quebec? Quebec. 
yeah, Quebec. Yeah. So was that like a national? Was that just one Czech team, national team, best kids from Czech, or was that yeah, your club yeah, team for, that won? They, I think we were under like Komutov, which is like a club, but yeah. they they brought they brought kids from all over all over Czech, and they I think they still do it. They still do that. Well, yeah, like so. I think in Edmonton they still pick a team that will just go like every the winner of kind of the city of Edmonton thing would go to it at that age group, right? But I didn't know how they picked it for like the Czech team, whether or not it was you played the best teams from all around and then your no, team they, went they, No, you they just it. they just picked like selective like select play, kids. Yeah, select kids like who they like. I don't I don't know. And they, what did if, you if think they, of it? What? It was it was good experience uh playing in the Coliseum with all the fans. Yeah, it, it was it was cool like it was I was so nervous though. Was that like, your first time as a kid that you're like I think I might be ready for this type of excitement in my No, life? because I had I I didn't have a very good tournament. Okay. I don't think like everybody was expecting I'm going to excel at this and like I was so nervous. I remember it. So there were so many fans it was like, "Oh fuck, I signing autographs." Sh- shit the bad. Yeah. Had you signed autographs before that point? No, never. Yeah, never. yeah. And it's always weird. Did you ever go back and did you ever keep any of the programs, maybe, and look at some of the kids that you played, and see if they maybe in your same draft year, like no, not, not from made... the PB tournament, no, no. And it would be and I, re- I regret it. A lot of, it would be so cool. It would be because a lot of NHL players I know around that time might have been in like like I don't exactly know your draft year, but like I know in that time in Edmonton, a lot of kids that were going to that tournament were getting drafted, playing in the NHL. Yeah, know, that's it's it's really cool. Well, it's it's the best tournament at that age group right like in the world basically for hockey players and it was really cool but just even like going across the ocean and seeing the culture and yeah. was that your first time in north america yeah i think yeah. so yeah yeah it was yeah, so yeah it was, you'd have been like 12 or 13 yeah 12 yeah, or 13, yeah, 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 young, yeah. Like yeah cool really really cool so so get into hockey obviously your dad would be a hockey idol but like who was your like nhl hockey idol or was it a czech player Dude. I had two, uh, obviously Nick Lindstrom. Fuck, I was so fortunate. Is that why number got, five? Uh, no, I had number fifteen. Oh, okay. I'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, Nick, best best uh, defenseman in the history of hockey. Honestly, Th- there is other players I like, but he's just it's, on a pedestal. It, it's tough to argue that. I remember one time here, uh, I I drove him in my car from restaurant I think, to his hotel. That, there was like Hendrik Zetterberg was in the car and uh, Nick Lindstrom. Where was that. this? This was after the game and I, I went to Joey's back when Joey's was Joey's okay. and Jasper and I saw him there and Yuri Hoodler, my buddy, yeah. he was on the team so I gave them a ride but Nick Lindstrom was sitting next to him I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, I was already in the league for like five, six years. I was like, holy fuck. I called my dad right now. I was like, dad, you won't fucking believe it. He was in my car. Like, never going to watch that fucking scene. Oh, unreal. <laughs> unreal. No, yeah, it, was, it was unreal. So Nick Lindstrom, and I was fortunate enough, I got to play against him. You know, like you see these like huge names like uh, that I never got to play against. And, you know, and now now it's you that the young guys are coming up and I would love to play against them but never gonna get to but what whatever but Nick Lindstrom was uh my biggest idol and then uh Thomas Kaberle. yeah that's why that's why I wore 15 growing up okay yeah because I really like him and I got to play with him uh for national team in, in the same deep air so it was like was that in like world championships uh, or Olympics so, so uh I got first call the national team when I was I think like seventeen or eighteen, and that was that was the that was a lockout year. So all the NHL players were there. It was during the season, so 
Zidliki, uh, Cabrola, and like these big names, Jager and those guys. Yeah, and they put me, uh, they put me for for a game uh, with with Tomas Cabrola. So I was like, holy shit, this is. Then then I played with him for a national team for some years, you know. And but that was the first time I was like idolizing him too. Did he just like dominate the game? He was real, like yeah. He was playing at that time. He was playing for Toronto, and you know, uh, he was he was amazing. Didn't he have a really short stick? Short, like like this. And I had really short stick because of that too. He always like carried, (laughs) you know, like you won't believe. But I was really skilled growing up in Czech. Then I came here. I was like, holy fuck, this guy can fucking stick handle. It's like a life. It's because Steve Stales dug his claws in you for a good reason. We'll talk about that in a bit. But (laughs) yeah, it was uh, yeah. So I kind of like tried to copy Thomas Cabrera. Thomas Cabrera. He was an amazing player, really good puck mover, smooth uh, skater, you know, with his head always up, uh, you know. Fuck, they, they could talk talk about him in Toronto, like Brian McCabe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he uh, you know, I, I think Tomas made him a really, some really, really good contract. And oh, that, yeah, nothing to sure. take away from Brian McCabe, he was yeah. a hell of a player. Yeah. But Tomas was like really smart, you know, uh, distributing puck for it, for the big shot. It's how Ryan Whitney always praises Sidney Crosby for getting his long term. As deal. he should. As like, he I should. would I would like to see Ryan Whitney. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> so uh sorry, and, and and Nick Lidstrom. Obviously, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Like arguably the best defenseman ever to play the game. You got to share the rink, the ice with him at the NHL level, like what was that like? Amazing, just his presence on the ice. You know, uh, could you feel his presence on the ice? Of course. Like yeah. He, he, yeah. It's. I don't know how to describe it. Like you're, like a. It's, I didn't want to stare at him too much, but you 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 kind of tend to. Yeah. You know, when even when you're playing, when you're sitting on the bench, like watching him, like the the, the stuff he was doing, and like how effortlessly he was doing it, and then you hear, you know. Yuri Hudler play with him, so you hear the off-ice stuff, like how professional he is, how he carries himself, great guy, great leader, just a total package. Like teams are lucky to to get guys like that, and and especially Detroit was doing or is doing something right. They had so many of guys like that, you know, like Steve Eiserman, you know, guys like that. Just they, they don't they grow did, on trees. Yeah. They they They're don't, and, and they They've all play an their careers. Their, their whole careers they play there. Yeah. When you're playing with a guy like Thomas Caberlet and you idolized him, and this is a guy you're looking up to, do you get a chance to kind of take in the moment and enjoy it, or are you just trying not to fuck up and make sure that you're doing <laughs> your best you possibly can? Uh, obviously, you're trying not to fuck up, but yeah, I took a moment, several moments, uh, and like you're... It's just so surreal. Like you're this kid going to high school, and all of a sudden you're playing for a national team uh, with your idol. It's it's crazy. But at the same time, when you when you like you know your name on that team like two weeks prior, so you're like so amped up, obviously nervous, but you're like thinking about it's like the, the dream is coming true. And then when you're there, you're just focusing on your job and like not to fuck up because fuck you have around. The guys that they were around me were NHL players, right? And like pretty big stars too. Some of them huge stars. For sure. And yeah, so you're trying not to fuck up and you're trying to make it look like you belong kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be back right after this with Laddie Smead, Real Life Podcast. 
Have you got holes to dig, earth to pack, and roads to build? Then you need to call Jabba Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? You can't fix stupid, but here at Jabba Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jabba Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jappamachinery.com. Jappa Machinery Group. Join the family. We're back. Real Life Podcast. Ladislav Schmid in the house. This is very interesting. This is a great t- chat. It's nice talking to you. Thank Before, you. in the first part of the show, we are kind of talking about your climb into the NHL. And when we kind of left, we were in the AHL. You're playing in Portland. You think you have about a year ahead of you in the AHL and the Anaheim program. <laughs> and then it happened. So I'll tell you about, as an Oilers fan, what was happening for us. And then when our path intersect. So 06, Cup Run. Pronger gets signed, Pekka, the Oilers all of a sudden have like upgraded as a defensive forward, and they've got probably one of the top two defensemen in the game. It is like crazy town time in Edmonton. Oh, yeah. Guy signs a five-year deal. I remember they did a press conference. Me and Jay, we were on a, you know, houseboats. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Chris Pronger and Mike Pecker are now Oilers. We're like, should we swim to shore? Like, <laughs> what the fuck, right? This is like the craziest thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, of course. They do the one year. They grind all the way to the cup finals. And, like, Cinderella teams are always the most exciting, I think, right? Because it's so crazy. Oh, for sure. But even among Cinderella runs, that was still one of the craziest cup runs any team's ever had. Edmonton's running out of beer. We're the drunkest people you could ever meet in your life. We're the happiest people you could ever meet in your life. Can just imagine. (laughs) And then it goes from, like, 07 or 7th game, fail to win the cup. We won't say we lost. We'll just say we won't win. I cried for the first time since grade 6. My girlfriend broke up with me that night, legit, because I was crying so hard about the Oilers losing the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and then it just went to shit so fast. Yeah. And it was like, started off with Chris Pronger wants to leave town. This is pre-social media, pre-Oilers Nation. You're getting like a one-way street of information. Mm-hmm. And then everybody wants to leave. Down to like, Todd Harvey wants to leave. Todd Harvey's like, you know what? Fuck Edmonton. We're all like, why? What did we ever do to yeah. you? You played here for like 30 games and yeah. you went in a cup ride. Spacek signed in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Samson. I know Spogger. <laughs> I'm like, Samson, this guy's going to be a good oiler forever and ever. Amen. Bounces. Yeah. It, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a Game 7 Stanley Cup team dismantled that quickly. Yeah. You're right, probably. 13 yeah, players left that offseason. It's insane. And you were one of the guys who came back. Holy fuck. If you will... Put it like that to me back then, I would probably shit the back. <laughs> I'm not reporting I'm to Edmonton. stressed right now. <laughs> Do you remember where you were when you got the news that this trade went down and that you would be yeah. coming down? Yeah, Brian Burke called me. I was at the bar. He can tell you the whole story. I was drunk. You're in the bar and check? I was in the bar and the check. Yeah, oh he called God. me. It's like, it's like, lad, he's pretty, it's, it's pretty loud out there. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's Chemical like, Brothers. Like, it's 2006. Like, he's like, just just get out. Just get out. It's like, hey, we we traded you, uh, you know, and you're going to uh, Edmonton. So he's like talking, talking. I was like, who, like, what's the package? He's like, yeah, uh, Chris Bronger. And then he starts talking. He's like, I got traded for Chris Bronger. I remember <laughs> that. And he remembers that too. He could tell the story probably a little it's better. He can, he can remember it probably better. But yeah, it was it's crazy. He's like, no, 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 lad, lad, there, there is more to this deal. There, there is more players. Like, yeah, no. but it was. Uh, <laughs> Joffrey Lupul's involved. Yeah, Who cares about Joffrey yeah, Seriously, me one for one for Pronger. Oh man, it was uh, it was crazy. Like kind of surreal because I, you know, in my mind I had a I set a goal that I'm gonna make the Anaheim, 
Anaheim's team next year, hopefully, and but didn't happen. Uh, and then I started learning about uh, Edmonton. I got phone call phone calls from uh, Edmonton management, and uh, yeah, did I got, you feel like the opportunity that you had in front of you changed. I becoming an Oiler when I when. Yeah, uh, I talked to Frank Musil was working for uh, Edmonton at that time, so he called me immediately too. And uh, yeah, he explained to me it's gonna be a big opportunity next year. You know, a bunch of defensemen left, and uh, you know, and and like what I read on on the internet and stuff it was a lot of pressure on on Edmonton. You know, you're you're trading you're trading like you said one of the top two top three defensemen in in, in the game at that time. And, so I, I I felt like that would be a b- great opportunity. So I, you know, work extremely hard that summer, like any other summer. But you know, set my goals making the NHL. But even when I made it, it I remember when McT called me in uh, in his office and he told he broke me broke the news and I I still couldn't believe when it. you made the team. Yeah. When so I what was that team. like? Tell us about that. How like, late into camp was that? Yeah, yeah. Like I guess like it was just... it was like it was like the last couple of days of the. Yeah. So they were calling people. Some of them were leaving. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Didn't like I. I had, I I, I had pretty good preseason, but I so still you played I, a bunch of preseason games yeah, at this point. I, I did, and it was like in Anaheim the year before they gave me one preseason game, and then I went here and I I don't know how many I played five six more like a lot. So I was like, they, they got to be testing me like I. But still, I was kind of new to this whole process. Some guys go through it every year, you know, until like they're like 24, 25, 26, you know. Like you, you mentioned Matt Hendricks, you know. And so I, I was kind of new to this and I didn't know what to feel, you know. Did you come to camp being like, I'm making the Oilers, this is going to happen? I had it in my head. Yeah. Like I wanted to yeah. so bad. Yeah. But when it comes to like naming the team and like making the team, I was still like, is it gonna happen? No, and then MacD was like, "So MacD calls you in. Do you remember?" Yeah, man. Like, so he was, was, got like a little funny office at the yeah, old I, arena. I think, I think Jan Heda at the oh, time was wow. were here too. Yeah, and I think we both got called together. Just, together, well, I there was, think there so. was five checks in total on that team. Yeah, there was Heda, you, Sakura, Hemsky, and Nedved. Nedved came during the year though. Oh, yeah. halfway. Yeah, halfway. Uh, Really, he yeah. showed up in like a Lamborghini with two supermodels on each arm. And he's like, whatever, I'm Peter Nedved. Get in fucking line. That's in Prague. <laughs> and I think he, he, he rolls in the Rolls Royce right Does now. Does he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I wanna, wow, I want to come back to that. This but. is one of the most interesting uh, people in, in, in the world. <laughs> I want, like, one of the things I want to know as an Oilers fan, this completely got anything to do with anything, but like, there's got to be guys like Hemsky and Fedorov and Nedved and Bure, and they're back in the old country now living like a warlord like i've got my my 10 years in the show and i'm you know hemsky i don't even know where he where well, hammer is in uh, in dallas he's still staying there yeah yeah yeah. he's got uh he's got brazilian canadian american uh, wife and they have kids uh they live in dallas they love it there. okay yeah so, but hammer enjoys because who obviously. do we hear about oh timu came back the one year and he he got oh. like a seventy-five thousand dollars speeding ticket in the off season and like guys who go home to the off in the old yeah. country in the off season, but they're like super superstars, yeah. and then come back to North America and they're like only superstars. Yeah, yeah. Who have you seen in Europe that you're like this guy's ten times more famous than when he played in the NHL? Like Lundqvist, I heard is like that. Uh, like he Peter Nedved. Like, yeah, Peter Nedved was a big star, but in Czech, it's like different level. Still, yeah, and and he's 
he's handsome as fuck. Oh so, yeah. So he draws yeah. attention. He's got it going on. Oh, yeah. He's got that style. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was <laughs> married to like supermodel Veronica Varekova, I think was her name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She is. She, yeah, smoke show and like it didn't work out, but yeah, he's a he's a great guy. Like you can you can go for beers with him. Great guy. You know, he he gets lots of attention and. and He's got a great, you know, and he rolls like, up to the club in a Rolls Royce. He's got like every year different car, oh, like Bentley, yes. Ferrari. Uh, what's he doing? Just counting his money in the off season? Like, what's I, I, he doing well, now? he was working. For, uh, he he's a general manager of a national team now. He's a great guy. Great to talk to. He's like kind of like free spirited, you know. Like it's it's fun to hang out with him. And they have like a group with Marty Ruchinski and like those guys, Piri Prucha, and they hang out. And, but when they go. When, when they go out, it's like, holy, holy fuck. Traffic. You see yeah, them? Like, there's girls fucking hanging from the trees. It's like a fucking, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like is, is he one of those guys when you see him, he's got like that, just that like aura around Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just uh, feel it? He's oh. got a great personality. That's Funny awesome. guy. Like like I said, like free spirited. Like, I, fuck, I, I don't think he ever had a fucking stress in his life. Like, he just, he looks like happy and stuff. And he's gone full silver fox now too. By the it's way, a, yeah, I'm telling you, he's <laughs> touch of gray man. Fuck, yeah. he is. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm jealous of him, but I'm jealous. Uh, I don't, don't want to tell you I'm in love with Peter Nedved, <laughs> but I might be in love with Peter Nedved. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, he's a stud. So we wind back. So you come to the Oilers, and you're and Mac T calls you in, and he with says Hada. with Hada, mm-hmm. and he says you're you're on the team. Yeah, is it like? Go get a house you're on the team, or go get one of those weird shady hotels you rent by the month on the team. I don't remember it exactly, but they, I don't think they told me. I think it was like a, it took like a month, I think, before I, you get a letter that you're staying officially and then you can get a house. I think that that's how it was. It's kind of blurry because it, the, the excitement overshadows everything else. Like yeah. you don't think about. Thank God for my agent here, Steve Kotlowitz. Like he took care of a lot of stuff for me, but like it was like, like I almost like blacked out when when Mac T told me I was like walking like fuck, like I dreamt about this my whole life. If know? one of the things I think is like really crazy comparing like being a professional athlete to like being someone in business, for example, it's like very rarely in business at that young of an age is it like that thing you invented it, the artificial heart now you're a trillionaire yeah. whereas like as an athlete having one conversation with Mac T your life has now changed oh for like sure like it can change but you don't think about the money at all not like, necessarily the money, the money yeah, yeah. Like, but, but just like the amount of success that you're having the road your career is yeah. on changes so much with like one conversation uh, oh yeah uh, it's yeah like you said life changing like I can't even describe it what'd you words. do when you left the room did you call your dad oh yeah my parents first yeah. first and my dad like He's like, that's why I was mean to you, but, laddie. But we did it. So proud. Like, it, even now, like, hopefully he's proud of me. Like, I think, I think he, he tells me once in a while. Back in the day, he would never fucking tell me. Now Our, he's getting old older, school, so yeah. he's more sentimental. And, yeah, so he once in a while he says that. But, yeah, at that time, he was very proud of me. I did you feel know. like a big weight released off your shoulders? Or did you feel like I for sure pressure? had tears in my eyes when he told me. And. Not in front of McTee because they feed up that. It's <laughs> fucking soft. But yeah, when I when I talked to my parents over Skype, I yeah, they, they both cried. Do you remember going out for like a big night out or something that night? How do you celebrate that letter that you are officially? In I think after a camp, like it's it's normal that you go for some beers. I don't think it was nothing that crazy. 
because I was already thinking about the season that I'm going to be starting season. And it was against Calgary too. Mm. I think like the way your brain has to be built to make it in the NHL, being told you're drafted isn't the end. It's the beginning. Yeah. It, it being is. told you're on the team isn't the be- end of your climb. Like now I made it. It's like, oh shit, now I made it. Yeah. Now I got to get ready to actually it, it, be exa- here. And, and stay. Yeah. Like you have so many guys fucking waiting for the, for the opportunity. So. So now I got to ask this question because I'm really interested in this type of thing. But at some point, your first NHL check arrives that isn't your signing bonus. Uh-huh. So you went to the draft, very exciting, signed signed your entry-level contract deal. But at some point now, you're an oiler, your check arrives. Did you buy like a fur toilet or like a gold bathrobe? Or did you weld a Lamborghini to a Bentley and drive it around as like some not, sort of not, weird? Nothing like that. Nothing? No, nothing. I, I had probably like a little shopping addiction to like a fashion I like nice clothes so that was probably my problem but that's reasonable reasonable but no i never did you buy a house back home not at that time no no, no well it's not, not like you nothing. get the first check and it's like no no but whole. you can start to think right like well, okay, you can start to think but i'm gonna no, buy not, 10 rolexes yeah. look at me everybody like, I'm down posits no, no da- not like that just like just like a nice clothes but that was about it i not didn't buy any new cars or anything. You didn't lease ten Benzes the first day you showed no, up. Like, no. well, what went for every day and a couple yeah. of options on the weekend. I like nice things, yeah. but not like crazy or anything. You're I, smart about I, it. I, yeah. yeah, I, I was raised certain way. Sure. And for sure, like once in a while, like I spend money on some, something stupid or like bought myself like a nice car, but not not like Ferrari or like... What have you done since now? We can talk about now. Older laddie, wise laddie. What have you done that you remain proud of? Like, I bought myself a silver Lamborghini and it's in my garage till I'm dead. <laughs> and fuck you if you want to judge me. What have you done? What'd you buy yourself that you're like, this is because uh, I earned it? Uh, Porsche Panamera. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice car. Back home or here? Yeah, but back home. Yeah. Back home. And I was like, I, I deserve it for the, for the contract I signed with the Oilers. It's yeah. a four-year deal and I... I was like, I, I deserve it. And nice car. Are you going to keep it till you're old? I, I, I already sold it. Basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> I sold is that your Sunday car? Yeah, I bought, bought myself more like a family car. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was about the four-door it. four-door Panamera. <laughs> yeah, the, four, that, that's why I was like, it's got to be a little bit, uh, I was planning ahead. More responsible. Like, yeah, more responsible. I wanted the 911, but I, I got to be a little, a little <laughs> yeah, more no. responsible. We were but. talking to a buddy who played for the Caps, and we are talking about like, watching guys who come into the NHL blow all their money and then watching guys who come in the NHL who are like a seventh man D and they're like, I just bought my first nice suit and I'm 26 or whatever and everything in between. Fuck. And he was saying that they shared a practice facility with the Wizards. And he's like, there's pickup trucks when the caps are there. There's a couple Benzes or whatever. Then the Wizards come in the practice facility. It's like two-car Lamborghini convoy. Eight guys get out. Like The difference between NHL players and NBA players in spending patterns is... And well, the money the, they make well, too. the salaries are a little bit yeah. different, but yeah, the spending I can just imagine. Did you ever see anybody? You don't have to name them, but you were just like, "Oh man, you better slow down!" Like you don't need fifteen sterling silver eyeglasses. I, I've seen, I've seen. Uh, I cannot name, don't but name I, I, but just what they did that's funny. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just spending on like a jewelry, and like you, you've seen them wear it once in a while, and like. It doesn't even hold its value or, or on the cars and like blowing through cars. Like I got like two, three guys that, uh, that cars I, I remember, yeah, cars and, and one guy like really jewelry and just like the the whole lifestyle. Like, yeah. It's easier of- probably being in like Edmonton or Calgary to kind of keep it oh, real. Yeah. Whereas in if Florida, you're playing for like the, the Rangers... Oh, yeah. 
and you're oh, going yeah. out with like or, Lindsay yeah. Lohan or oh, some yeah, shit. And you're right? renting a place for like sixty grand a month. Yeah, just to stay close to the rink. Yeah, and we don't hear about how like hockey players have that big of entourages but was there ever a guy had like four or five friends just always around and you were just like oh my god buddy never never, never. I, see I know, it's a just a different culture i guess yeah it, it is i i know yuri hoodler he had like a one buddy who came like uh, once in a while not even in entourage they were just like a childhood friends and yeah you know that, that was about it but like really good buddies he wasn't like living off him or anything, and and he would help him all the time. But they were just really, really good buddies. Yeah, remember? Mar- I couldn't even like that was more like family than friends. But yeah, like he's saying, like in NBA or you know they have like yeah five six people living living with them or something. I I can imagine. Remember like, Mario? I, I fuck. Jay? I want to be alone sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. Fuck. Remember Mario down in Dallas? Was driving around the limo. That wasn't his name. It wasn't his name. Jonesy. Oh, no, no, Mario, the driver. Sorry, the driver. Of the Star's limo. Turco's limo. Yeah. Turco had a guy. We went down to visit a buddy one time, and he was like, the only guy I've ever seen in the entourage, but it was so smart. He had a guy who just drove around a limo with a giant Dallas Stars logo on the carpet. And it was just like the shuttle bus for the team. And Turco drove it around yeah. everywhere. And he goes, that guy saved me from more problems than you'd ever imagine. Like, really? He drives yeah. me around. He waits outside every bar. And he yeah, makes sure I get home right. in bed at night. And I was like, you know what? If you're Marty Turco and you got that it's guy, that's probably a good investment. It's an insurance policy. For sure. Really? That's for sure. Thing. Just to keep him out of jams, right? Yeah. That's, that's, Turco that's a great had idea. Going on. <laughs> well, he had a long-term deal too, right? Yeah. So, so you become an oiler. You show up. What did you hear about the Oilers prior to arriving? Like, did you, because you hadn't played them, you were playing in the A. Was it like, everyone in Edmonton's crazy and all they eat is snow? Like, what did you hear about Edmonton? Well, I, I, I knew about, just about the city that, you know, uh, very cold. Colder uh, than home in Czech? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's Much the climate? Cold. Like, well, way, you have winters. It, or, yeah, we have winters, yeah. but last probably like, not, now they're even mild, milder uh, than, than they used to be, but. Yeah, like we get winter for like four months. Okay. Five max. Um, Here it's a comfortable 11 months of winter in Edmonton. We enjoy the last month. Well, the the difference is, which is nice here, the the winter here is dry. It's very humid in in Czech. So when you get like minus 10 and humid, it's kind of... Different kind of cold. Different kind of cold. Like it gets under your skin. But still, yeah, it it doesn't get minus 40 or... what, What... Whatever happened here this winter? Oh, <laughs> was yeah, it like the it was... coldest winter in like seventy years? Yeah, or something? something else. Yeah, uh, yeah, insane. But yeah. Uh, so you heard it's cold, and you cold, heard the, the fans cold. though. What oil, you... oil business. I heard fans are crazy over their team. Uh, it's hockey city. Yeah. It's it's like a religion. Yeah. So, like, only positive things. And at that time, my agent lived here. So, as soon as I got traded, like I he kind of talked me through it and he lived here for a long period was that a coincidence or did you pick an agent no no it was coincidence really like i already had him in uh when i was with adam but rich winter was he was part of rich winter's uh company tsc yeah uh yeah and they were based in uh, in edmonton well so that helps when you get here and then you have like a built-in like structure and, and i lived with him i i lived yeah because i was gonna ask you who you live with right off the bat so i, I lived with my huge. my agent for uh for a few months and they helped me big time and I'm, that's I'm huge still, support i'm yeah they're like my family now and still in contact with his sons and so now, i remember oh sorry go ahead Jay. well and well i just want to take uh so when you moved out of your agent on your own did you live with another teammate no i i lived with my uh my girlfriend for a bit okay. but she kind of went you know, came and went. Okay. But yeah, it was 
pretty independent, I guess. But all grown up. So I remember when you first came. We're we're reeling from 2006, right? The world has come to an end. Like the bottom fell out of the floor. We're like, well, maybe we'll still make the playoffs. Holy fucking shit! I don't know. This is all going so wild. But I remember you coming, and I remember Steve Stayos taking you under his wing. Mm-hmm. And when you became an Oiler, I remember like kind of the the bio on you was that like you're a big guy, you can play a lot of minutes, but you weren't that physical. That yeah. was like when you came to the Oilers, what we heard. Yeah. But then I remember watching you, and maybe just what I was looking for and wanted to see. But like it seemed like you changed kind of who you were as a result of playing with Steve Stales. Oh, for sure. Uh, and Jason Smith, and the uh, rest of those you legends. Know, like, at that time, our, our team I don't think was that skilled. Like we were kind of more like gritty and. Uh, Please don't say we were rebuilding, Laddie, because that's very hard to hear. Yeah, I don't want to say that. So oh, we're I'll rebuilding. Say, uh, <laughs> let's stay away. But I had. We didn't do good at all you know that year especially but but even just experiencing the entire year in the nhl and the guys i had around me uh you mentioned the names uh steve steos sean harkoff uh, jason smith uh, chopper uh, eat tomorrow uh yeah it's just it really at at that time it really opened my eye what it takes to be professional like i always say it in all my interviews like when did you learn to be professional like I thought I was professional until I arrived here in the NHL and I saw these guys around me, how they carry themselves, like what it takes. Like all of them, like just such a warriors, you know, uh, especially these guys that, that was kind of like the leadership group. Uh, yeah, just priceless. And Stevie Stales, like he's, he'd had a tough upbringing, right? He had a, like, he earned his way in the NHL. He wasn't rich. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Everything he, he, that guy had, he's earned. He earned, and yeah, and he took me under his wing. And, and taught you that kind of culture, right? Yes. Like, great guy, great family. You know, he brought me, he brought, you know, he he brought me over to his house, meet his family, and just a great guy. Like, I can't thank him enough, you know. Uh, just, yeah, just great professional, just hard working. Uh, fuck, didn't take shit from anyone, you know? He's really great. He had player. a fucking switch in his head, fucking, like, beat you. Like, would do anything for a team, you know? And, like, me as a kid playing with him, like, like where's off on you? He know? taught you what it meant to be an oiler, maybe, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know? And, and like, do you remember that what fight was it where you got into a fight? I can't remember who, and we were watching it, and you beat a guy up, and then Stales came over and patted you on the head. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, he's transferring all of his <laughs> Jedi knowledge I, 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 to I, I don't know who it was. Yeah, I don't remember the fight either. I just But he came over him. and was, like, congratulating yeah. you. Oh, he was always, like, anything. And he would, like, stand up for me, too. Because, fuck, like, I, I had no idea, like, who certain, like, fighters or, like, tough guys are, you know. And Did you pay that forward in towards the end of your career with Calgary? Was there guys that you were like, hey, I'm going to Steve Stales you and show you the ropes now, my little friend? It was here when I when I had, like, Jeff Petrie, I played with him, so like I was trying to show him like what you know, in Calgary. He didn't not seem really. To we had like a older to, we, the, yeah. to learning how to play gritty though. No, but but he's a different kind of player. Yeah. But like just be a professional and working hard and you know doing stuff, playing with your role. Like Petey's Petey's role wasn't being gritty and stuff and stuff like that. He's a puck moving defenseman, so play your role. Don't try to be something you're not. And that that's. You know, just know your role on the team and be be a good teammate. Be a, you know, be part of the team and try to, you know, try to help the team to to reach the goal. And uh, I learned that from possibly 
you know some of the best guys I could and trying to transfer it now now I'm older so while I play in Czech I'm trying to now I'm playing with a 20 year old guy and you know hopefully hopefully he can make a next step and play uh I don't know if NHL but even in Europe somewhere else because he's got the potential and I'm trying to he's he trains with me the entire year like he was kind of this lazy piece of shit guy fucking bad attitude and they they put me with him and uh yeah I think it changed for him a little bit I'm really hard on him though like almost to the point I would fucking like to rip his head off sometimes but <laughs> he trains he listens and uh his his career kind of took off and now he's like full-time full-time uh in our league and Hopefully he's gonna take the next step next next year. I'm just reminding in my head, Jay, to Laddie earlier, being like, "Yeah, my dad was mad mean to me, and it was old Iron Curtain shit." And now you're like, "Well, I'm sure mean to these kids, these uh, little bastards." Maybe it's the only way. they need it. Maybe know what it takes. That's the only way it works. It's honestly like, obviously, if he wouldn't be mentally strong enough, you would have to go about a different way. But I know he's very confident in himself. So he needs fucking have like a stick. See, and you you have the position to be able to tell people that. You played like in the real Battle of Alberta times, right? Like we're just looking right now to fight with you and Giordano, right? Like on a team that you played with, there was like Theo Peckham, Zach Stortini, McIntyre was on that team. Yeah. You had Smith. Like these, like there was a lot of scraps, right? Like, oh, yeah. That, the, that, talk that about was, the Battle of Alberta for just a minute. Like when that you was were nothing better Arsene, than... Yeah, there was like... I. I... That everybody was like preparing me for Battle of Alberta, but fuck, until you play that game, it's like nothing can really prepare you. It was fucking mayhem sometimes. Was uh, it shocking after the first game? Yeah, you played, because it was like, like fucking scraps, brawls, like all like fuck you matches almost after every every face off. <laughs> that was the real Battle of Alberta. Like, yeah, with fighting and like huge hits. I think Dion Phaneuf was still on their team, and everybody fucking hated him in Edmonton. And like yeah. Our team and he's fucking hey them and like good really good player fucking physical you know yeah but holy fuck like he took a lot of heat like from the bench like everybody yapping at him and so he was yapping back and you know obviously Iggy fuck hell yeah. of a, hell well, of they a were pl- tough teams I hell mean. of a fucking player but every like I remember always sitting in the in the locker rooms like just let him fucking sleep nobody talk to fucking Iggy because when you wake him up it's like a fucking sleeping bear really. Yeah, like, fuck, when you rattled him and, like, fucking he would have fight, he would fucking end up with goal and two apples. Like, every fucking time. When you let him sleep, like, he was, like, you know, just trying to, like, maybe he's going to fucking take the happy, out. positive guy. Yeah. you got to watch out and for, then right? you, Yeah, and then you fucking, like, woke him up and, fuck, that guy was the total package. Like, fuck. Like, one of the best I play against and really hard to play against. I always try to yap at him. Like, we, we scrapped once, too. Uh, probably highlight of my fighting career uh scrapping him and uh super how did it go who won i don't know i think pretty even (laughs) i did did good surprisingly i did yeah i was like very i was very happy with myself uh it was i think like 50 50 i'd I'd say uh very strong guy i i think he wanted to kill me he was screaming at me even after the fight i'm gonna fucking kill you like he he must have hated me because i was always (laughs) chirping him and shit and nothing like Whatever happens on the ice, fucking happens on the ice. Unless you're totally disrespectful, fuck it. You know, like I, I have no problem taking you, taking you for a beer. So I know you're uh, like, I know you're a, pro athletes. Everybody says, you know, like I know they get nervous before games. Like after you played in your second Battle of Alberta game, like 
did you, was it a game that you like thrived on or would you get like kind of nervous before? Or did you, were those games you got up for and were like excited about? Ex- excited. Yeah. It was good. insane. For sure, I like to play that Battle of Alberta here in front of the fans. Yeah, you know, of like course. But even even there, like it was just fucking crazy. Like fight, like it was it was just nonstop for fans too. The fans were so into it. You know, now now the Battle of Alberta, obviously there is some physicality and component to it, but it's still like the the NHL is changing. You know, it's more about speed scale and they're trying to take the fighting away. Mm-hmm. I don't totally agree with that. Like those, those like old Battle of Alberta, and even before my time, those were the real Battle of Battles of Alberta, and I think fans enjoyed to wa- watch it. it was, they were really into it. So I pulled up the polling results of your fight against Aginla and on hockeyfights.com, and they have you. They voted fifty-one percent you, twenty-eight percent him, and twenty percent draw. Yeah. So oh my god! Yes, means, you did means, it. Last that means the internet. The internet is undefeated. That means you kicked Iggy's ass. Yeah. Super cool. Now cool. the followers. I would never say kick his ass because I respect him. Wait, wait. You can't. We can't. Yeah. We're the fans. We're on your side. Thank you. Now, one question I'd, I'd, I'd like to ask in terms of the, the grittiness of the game. Now. Being a Czech player coming over to North America was was like grittiness and like contact always part of your game before you came over, or is never. this something you learned once you got here? Never, I would never even chirp anyone. Never, like honestly, coming over here and it was like, especially the first couple of years, it was like, fuck, what the fuck is going on? And, and playing with Stevie Steos, like he was fucking, or Jason Smith, like Jason Smith, he had that fucking look in his eyes, like the crazy fucking eyes, Gator. Fuck me. I was scared, just like scared, like terrified of him. Like, and he had like superhuman strength almost. Like he was so, he was so mean too. Like when, when he gets you in a corner, like back in the day, like you could have, you know, really punished people. Like, fuck, it wasn't fun. And, and Stevie, the same thing. Just, and it like, you, you see that and you try to apply it in your game, you know, and like changing my style of the game coming from Europe to here. Like I had to, at, some guys don't do it. Some guys, some for some guys, it, it works right away. Playing the styles they 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 like grew up with, it didn't happen for me. I I know I had to change it a little bit to be fully part of you know part of the team and be on an everyday basis in the lineup. So I changed it and I played more like like those guys, like being physical. I obviously I had to get lots uh, lots stronger over the uh, of. Uh, through some off seasons and uh, yeah, and be physical. And my dad, my dad was physical defenseman in, in Czech. He was a little guy, but like kind of stocky guy. And uh, yeah, so I didn't have problem. I guess it was in my genes or I, I had no problem. Was your dad a physical player? Yeah, yeah. but like yeah. shorter, stocky, but yeah, he was, everybody keeps But had a crazy look like. Yeah, he has fucking yeah. switch too in his head. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as crazy as he is. Even, really? Even though they call me psychopath in the locker room in Czech, because apparently I have a loose screw too. Is that one of the differences between like a global professional hockey player and an NHL player? Is just like you have to have that killer switch that like if someone high sticks you in the balls, you need to put your like almost like you're the guy who's been in jail for twenty years. If anyone tries to fight you, you're to fucking kill them. Yeah, like, and you know you cannot really think. You cannot be scared or think oh what if i'm gonna get beat up so what you're gonna get beat up so what it's still you showed up and fucking even the guy who's gonna beat you up he's gonna have a lot of respect just because you showed up like 
you know, I, I think about it like that. Um, but like you said, like, like coming from, from Europe, coming, coming from Czech here, totally different mentality. Like when it comes to this, like being gritty, physical and stuff. And like I said, first couple of years, it took me some time, but having guys, having guys, like I mentioned around me and seeing what they do. Fuck. I remember you getting tougher like every year. Smeed got tougher. Smeed got meaner. Smeed got angrier. You don't go into the corner with Smeed. He's going to stick you in the nuts. Yeah. And, and it's still, it's still until now. Like I, I play, I play more. I think it comes with, with the league. So I play, trying to play more skill and more with a puck. But when somebody fucks with me, I I, I don't let them, even though if, if like, I don't care. I don't care. You can beat me up. You can be stronger, whatever. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction to fucking like walk all over me. Fuck that. I yeah. watch a lot of prison documentaries Amen. and that's how you make it on the yard. I, I, you have that fucking attitude. Yeah. And you're like, who's going to fuck with me in my cell block? Like, it's going to go down. Honestly, it's like some of the like star players in the Czech League, like they like you fucking shake hands after every fucking game. Oh, really? Which is a fucking dumbest thing ever. Yeah. And like I, I'm like buddies with some of them, but they're like, they don't even want to shake my hand. I'm like fucking like I'm shaking his hands like fucking get over it. Like, he's like he's like you're a fucking psycho like fuck like you're threatened. Is fucking that like the to echo kill. of Steve Stales in your brain? I, I honestly like- I black out man like almost like I'm to the point that like I have no oxygen and like I black out and then I like wake up it's like what the fuck happened and like I'm screaming at people or fucking like grabbing their faces like. Can you play men's league or no? No, I've heard from lots of like not lots, but like some NHL guys are like, I want to go, I want to play with my buddies, but some idiot sticks me because and I'm just gonna kill him and I'll yeah. black out, yeah, and I'll wake up and he'll be dead on the ice. And I, I don't think to... I could, I could do it. Yeah, I could fuck. It, it's just like you exactly. You still, you still have that same mindset, even if you're fucking 50, 60, you're gonna have the same mindset. It doesn't go away. As soon as you get on ice, you want to fucking win. And if somebody fucks with you and you're that kind of person that doesn't like to be fucked with who was it Jay, at the all-timers tournament was it wendell clark that just wendell clark yeah so wendell clark just legendary don't fuck with hockey player <laughs> i love that guy in a men's league some like once again like You're playing the all-timers all-timers tournament. charity tournament like for charity rich a, people are playing yeah. in this tournament a, a guy is like oh, i'm playing on the ears of wendell clark so i have to play tough with him and is like pestering him and like kind of takes him into the boards and wendell just turns around and like cross checks him and separates the guy's shoulder and like was gonna just beat the it's shit. It's like out the old lead. lion, right? Like yeah. you see he got fucked with one he last time, right? Yeah. He's hardwired, exactly. Like he's still like he's probably sixty and like still just he's got that switch I, and the guy I totally, just kept I totally agree with it. Fucking oh, I love so it. So you don't badass. wanna hurt you don't wanna you don't no, wanna but, hurt anybody, but no. fuck, don't fuck with me. But that's man. what it took to get to the NHL yeah, and yeah. then to survive in the NHL and then to thrive in the exactly. NHL. Exactly. Yeah. He, was a, hell of, he was a hell of a player. Oh god, I'm legendary. As fuck. I remember no. watching Wendell Clark do that, just like turned around and just dropped this guy, and everyone in the arena is like, oh shit. It was like they brought the NHL legend onto yeah. the ice to play, but then the NHL re- legend remembered he's alive. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> ate one of the sheep. Right? I love it. That, that's a guy it. who made it created his own space on the ice. Because you knew if you came within his little circle, just like Messier. You're oh. going to get fucked up. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I'm old school. Like one of our sites is hockeyfights.com. So I still love the, the, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to the sport, but to kind of talk to you. And this is like one of the big reasons why, like, I'm kind of fanboying here is like, I love the way you played for the Oilers. Like yeah. you, how you came in from a rookie, getting that confidence under Steos and the other guys to like 
want to fight and all of a sudden become like a legit fighter in the league. My question to you is, in your opinion, who was the toughest guy you fought? Because I've looked at your list, your fight card. There's some good names in there. Yeah. I'd say Nolan. Yeah. Fuck that guy. And I didn't know. I I didn't know much about him. He he fucking he, like I think he dropped me, dude. That was a fucking not a mistake because he, <laughs> he, he tried he tried to rock uh, Eberly. Yeah. And Abby fucking like surprised him with like Nolan fall down fall down. I was like, fuck, but you, you don't touch our top player. So I fucking went out. I respect that, he by the way. He fucking... That's a short missed. supply in 2019 oh, Oilers talk. Oh, man. Someone will defend the team. And holy fuck, he was... I think he was switching hands. Fuck. Like, I, I don't think I got a fucking punch in. He, I, he was fucking tough. I don't... I, I Well, you know, we're... I lost. We're, we, uh, yeah. Hockeyfights.com has you... Sometimes those votes are wrong. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. There was there was 96 votes, and 92% of them were for Jordan Nolan. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't I don't doubt Bunch that. But you beat up Iggy, and that's all that fucking yeah. matters. Battle of Alberta, baby. Yeah. So, it's, so, so that's him. Nolan's the toughest. I Yeah, and uh, Mike Brown was, was too. Oh, yeah. Now, but, uh, one fight we have to bring up, and I and I and it was an interesting one. I think it led to a melee. Was uh, in New York against Sean Avery. Yeah, fuck. Don't. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Avery's been a pol- he's been a polarizing guy on social media these days. You made my when you fought Sean Avery. You made my week. That but, I was but so I excited. Did, I, that I was week. so I was so fucking disappointed because it wasn't really a fight. Like he, uh, but you stood up. You went in. I, I, I did, did he ever really I, I fight did. anybody? Because he jabbed oh, you, didn't but, he? Yeah, he yeah. dropped me. But it was like he he told me let's go next next shift so i start turning as i'm gonna go change and then i see that he's dropped mitts so i dropped them too but i was so stupid i, I shouldn't have fucking dropped them. i should fucking just ducked at that time because as soon as i dropped them and i start turning back he fucking dropped so me in real weasel yeah. way he got you yeah he told you next shift i but- i guess but there was like it was i it was my stupidity like i should have known fucking this. Always sean every Sean Avery, be fucking ready. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I was stupid. It was. I think it was like coward way. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your well being. For knowing who fuck, you're. Yeah, for knowing who you're standing next so to. So he did it smart. I was fucking dumb, and like he dropped me. I don't think it was very fair. I wish. Wait, fucking, well, he I, jumped you. It was. It was, yeah, it was I, completely cheap. But, but I asked him to fucking fight. Yeah. And after he said fucking no, let's wait. I fucking start turning and then fucking gloves off and fucking. Is that why I dropped? Up, though I remember just being like, "Yeah, so, get in there, so f- fuck that guy." Up. I was I was for like two weeks. I was so yeah, fucking mad. Is that is that, is that one yeah. moment in your career that you really kind of like still look back at and just it like fuck yeah. makes you just yeah. sweat? Let's, and he retired the next year. And that was my follow up question: Do you fucking, still want to get your revenge? No, I'm over it. Uh, but he but rides that his bike year, a lot. That year, that year, I love his fucking Instagram. Yeah, he, he rides fucking, his bike a lot in New York. People. Go park in a parking. Go park in a bike lane. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. You gotta yeah. serve that revenge cold. You gotta oh. wait another ten years nah. and then just be walking <laughs> yeah. through Central Celebrity Park. Celebrity hockey Park just like yeah. drop it. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, Sean Avery. Now we're even, bitch. But he's funny. Yeah, uh, he's funny. He's. I heard. He, he writes his own, his own blog or something. I, I don't know. He's a smart guy. He's funny on Instagram. I, I don't know. I think he writes some stuff. I I don't know. He's he's, he's funny. He's yeah. You know, he's I don't know. I, I have no hard feelings towards him at all. And you know, uh, it happens. I, I mean, in the it, back, it happens. In the it was. Game, I, I yeah. think it was my problem. I like my, how you take responsibility for that. To be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> I was. Like, I didn't. I didn't. Like, like, yeah, I didn't. Most people would be like, he suckered me, and I'm never gonna forgive him. Like. Yeah. 
and the fact that you look at it as like your fault. But you have to fucking of... you have to fucking know what kind of player he is, you know. And, well, and totally like, not. And, like I, and I, I, I I asked him, and then he was smart. I was fucking down, you know. And it was a at that time I was fucking pissed off, like really, really pissed off. I wanted to fucking murder him. Yeah. But I got over it. Like the season ends. Like fuck, you know, whatever, uh, you know. It was kind Let of cowardish way, but fuck, I should have known better. It yeah. reminds me of uh, just like you're saying you should you should have known better, uh, and this is unrelated to you, but related to the Oilers when Rafi Torres knocked out Jared Stoll with that hit. This is like this is. I think they're both on different teams. I think Stoll is in LA and Rafi was in like in I think San Jose at the time. And Stoll's big thing was just like. You know what? Like I know he's my buddy, but I should have known he was on the ice because I should have been prepared for something like that coming my way. Oh fuck, Ruffy, Ruffy had Stolly. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, like Ruffy, he's not looking on fucking like who you are or like if you're buddies. Like Ruffy, fucking if he sees yeah. you, if he saw you were fucking in some like a bad spot or he had a chance to fucking annihilate you. Yeah. Is that just he couldn't turn it off? Just no. did not turn off. I, I just didn't care. I re, yeah, I, like, no, I, I respect it. Like yeah. he made some questionable hits. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not defending <laughs> those. And we're thankful yeah. for some of them. But, <laughs> but fucking, I respected the way he played. Like yeah. fuck, he didn't give a fucking like he would drop mats and like fuck, he was crazy too. Yeah, he yeah. was fucking crazy. Yeah, I was fucking <laughs> scared of him too. He had the fucking switch. He had a switch. Hell of a guy again. Yeah. So I guess this kind of sadly all leads. To the next chapter. Now but, hold on, because we gotta do we gotta we gotta pay bills here, laddie. Right? This is, this shit ain't free. This magic ain't free. We gotta do ads. Uh-huh. We did our first ad at the fifteen minute mark, but it was really like the thirty minute mark. And we're supposed to do our second ad at the forty five minute mark, but we're like an hour fifteen. Oh, we're not even slowing down. It's a very corporate However, podcast. This is the ad we do where he talks about getting custom suits, and he always tries to work it into the conversation. Ladislav Smead is a guy who's worn a few different suits in his day. I imagine. They're always looking good, always looking sharp. The man is stylish. Yeah. I've been Googling. Suit game is strong. Oh, nice. Part of me wonders if maybe some of those came from our friends at Indochino. Oh, nice. Ever had an Indochino suit? Are Never. you a Hugo Boss or the side of Ferrari? No, uh, no, no. Uh, what am I? I have some uh, Armani. Do you ever do like a bespoke suit? I have Sam Abu Hassan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he did some of my suits, and, and now I'm a... Uh, when you have body like mine, you can go like anything. anything. Whoa! Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I have seen it's all about the this, and I am going to swing this back to Indochino. But I have seen a shirtless Lottie Smead, and my God, is he on the app? Pull yourself together! All Jeff. I'm saying, I told you, I'm a fat boy Thank in you. here. This Thank guy you. is Jay's a right. motherfucker. A lot of, a lot of my speed. teammates can confirm that. They know that usually the top three body on the, any team, basically. Jay is right. They would need to get some more material. Strutty, ask Strutty. Oh, Strutty knows. Ask Strutty. Of course, Strutty knows. He had a he had a decent old man body. So one thing that Indochino does, laddie, is they put a customized embroidery inside. Jay got hope will never die on the inside of his suit. My next one will say number five, Smeed forever. If you were gonna put I'm something for you, Sean Avery, give me ten more That's years. Right. You can yeah, man. If you're gonna put something on the inside of your suit, is there like a quote or a thought or something that you might put, like a motto that you live by that you would put on the inside it of your takes suit? Takes one to know one. Fuck. Just show up. No. Nothing. Just just Lottie Dottie probably. Trade Everybody uh, Lottie, trade Lottie, 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 Lottie,
<laughs> one for one Maybe for that's a pretty good idea. Head on over to Indochino.com. Get yourself measured up. Customize your suit. Maybe even put Ladislav Smead, maybe an embroidery of his face. Yeah. That'd be good. That looked really nice. Yes. Something really abs. nice in the Down inside. my abs. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to get a tattoo of your abs <laughs> over my abs. And then I would go shirtless in my Indochino. Because I have an Indochino suit. And because it's tailored so well, I might be able to look like I have your physique. Uh, how well that'd be some sort of special suit i told you it, uh, <laughs> the amount of measurements kind of they suit. take no offense like you're all right the amount no of measurements they or you could just train folk. when you're hung over and then you train all the time and have somebody behind you well, with a there's, a, there's a reason why that's, one that's of us made thing. the nhl and one of us didn't someone who, who, who is has the talent most, and he put this in the is work like tangentially uh, what we're talking about who's the most jack player you played with or against the that's not team? named laddie smead yeah fuck oh George, fuck i cannot say it He's gonna be and so, I can't believe you just asked it. it. If he's gonna, no one's gonna listen to this. No one's gonna listen to this. Don't worry. We he's, he's, a, he's a hard worker. He's jacked. He's a hard worker. He almost looks like a fucking juice monkey, man. Giordano. He's fucking ripped. That really? Guy. Fuck. He's a beast. He's a fucking beast. Just like beast. a fitness guy. Yeah. Like I was surprised I beat him in a fight. I was surprised because when when he like when I saw him shirtless, I was like, fuck. He like this guy is a fucking machine. It's crazy that he went to Russia and then came back and was as good as he was. Hey. I have I, this. That's my top three players I respect the most. Is that right? Yeah. He's like thirty-eight or thirty-six, and he's a Norris candidate. He better fucking win it. I. He better fucking win it. That is like. You arguably should. I. I, no I, I would agree. Like Brent Burns had a great year, like most points. But when you look at it as a like a total package as a defenseman, yeah. that's what you should vote for as a defenseman, right? Norris Trophy. Yeah. He did it all. All I second end po- points, fucking hits, blocks, fucking locks, a lot of fucking minutes. He's a leader on your team, and he's fucking, what, 35, 36? Fuck me. That, that's no-brainer. All I know is that I'm looking at HockeyFights.com, and I see Ladislav Smead fighting Mark Giordano to an overwhelming majority win for number five. Ah, thank you. Bravo. Thank you. Uh, that's bravo. All I know. Yes. I'm, I'm going to fucking text him, too. He always, he always claimed that he fucking, he fucking beat me in a fight. I... Hockey fight I, doesn't I, lie unless we decide it doesn't change. Isn't mentioned that I have fucking swine flu too that time. <laughs> Fuck me, I was yeah. so fucking you sick. You fought on swine flu and won. Yeah, I won. That's yeah. gangster. That's yeah. Sorry, Gio. Sorry, Gio. sorry, sorry, buddy. You couldn't I, even be. I respect you a lot, Gio. Flu. Maybe you Talk- could take one of the ten thousand cutout heads they have home with you or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one time we did this promotion with ATB the bank. And they gave us like 10,000 Jordan Everly heads with little eyes. And then like 10,000 Giordano ones in Calgary are supposed to give them out. But we kind of fucked up. No, we gave them most of them. They just Some gave them so many. So, but 10,000. Exactly. Like, 10, un, like too What's 10,000 We were cleaning out the basement down here and we spilled the boxes and there was Geo heads everywhere. And it was fucking terrifying. So if you have a good prank you'd like us to pull <laughs> yeah, or something. You like prank, pull, we got some masks. We got some Geo heads. I'm like, good well, God, the Geo heads are everywhere. <laughs> well, all this Geo talk is a great segue to talk about and, and, and so yeah, yeah it's our friends at Indochino.com uh, Indochino.com Good ad Indochino <laughs> now, I, now and, and I call these the dark days because you left Edmonton uh, they're not necessarily dark days just because I'm a diehard Oilers fan even though there's some out there that might not believe that but you got traded to Calgary can I just interject very quickly and say I was fucking pissed you got traded because you and this is the Oilers fucking as a yes. not you but you signed a four year deal and I think to myself yes Laddie Smead is a good I was fucking thinking, I was thinking the same thing. And we got four more years of Laddie Smead yes. hockey, and the world is right, and we might be rebuilding, but we got some good guys on the back end, the goodest guy being you in my mind. Thank you. And then come November, you're fucking traded. 
This is why this is the dark days. This is the decade of darkness. What? We were doing silly moves like this. Were you rattled? Be honest. You can tell us now. Uh, yeah, well, like, tra- like it's part of the business, so you got to be ready for anything and the way things were going. Yeah, I was kind of pre- prepared I could be. But traded to Calgary, be honest, I was fucking shocked. Like, I, like I didn't know that, you know, you know, great city, you know, team team was good, their management, like all world-class people in Calgary. But I didn't know that at that time and always hated anything to do with Calgary, right? When you were doing the four-year, and I respect that, respect that immensely. Because now I think for too many people, it's like, whatever, there are another 31 teams in the NHL, who cares? It matters. When you were doing the four-year deal, obviously they were like selling you on like the long-term vision of the next four years of Oilers mm-hmm. hockey, right? And you bought in. Of you course. you wanted to sign a long term deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I I did, and like I saw all the pieces, and I liked it, and I I felt comfortable. My uh, you know, I wanted to start family here, and everything was going well. Yeah, you know, signed the four year deal. Fucking things are good, and then boom. Jeez. Fuck. And and in Calgary, and I was again like one of those moments in your life that feels like almost surreal, like you want to pass out, and it's like. Yeah, MacD called me and it's like, yeah, you're traded to Calgary, and you know, it's. <laughs> I, I, I think he said like it's, it's like you're gonna be, I, you're gonna be really close to Edmonton, and like you know, like with your. What the Come fuck, on. Mac T? I was like, like what the fuck, break, man? Like, you're trying to sell me on like, Calgary? You're trade me to fucking China, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you no, know, but it was part of the business, and uh, fuck. Uh, Super rare. Super that an cool. Oilers traded Steve to Calgary. Steve Stiles got traded there too. But super, super rare that a physical defenseman who's like like a Steve Stiles got. I mean, I think when Stiles got traded, as I recall, this well, like Brian Burke was there, so he knew yeah. me. True, that's why he knew me, and uh, he wanted you yeah, back. Yeah, I think he he liked me. I think he still likes me. He likes anyone who plays your style. And I like Brian. Great well, guy. I fucking, the new Don Cherry. Yeah, he's just in waiting. New Don Cherry. Oh fuck. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, amazing they got him to wear a tie. Yeah. But it had to be a mind fuck though that Mac T was the guy that told you you are now an NHL player, and then fast forward down the line, he's the one that moves you down to Calgary. Yeah. Uh, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. I was I was sour about it for a few days. If obviously. you read our website, if you read Oilers Nation that day, we were raging. Yes. Yeah. There was Raging. no like everybody was team speed. There was yeah. no other I, team. Yeah. It, it 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 broke my heart to be honest. Did like it? you're fuck. I was an oiler. Like like fucking through and through, man. Oiler and yeah, it was a it, it was a tough fucking day. Did part know. of you when you arrived in Calgary go like I'm gonna fuck this franchise up from the inside? <laughs> I'm gonna do it for the oilers. Not at all. But I'm walk- break all the workout gear, dude. Like when you walk in the fucking locker room and you see fucking Jordana there, it's like fuck. I wanted to like. Fucking two weeks ago, I went to fucking kill that guy. It's like around lock, and they hated me too. And Gio even admitted to me, it's like I thought honestly you were the biggest fucking piece of shit douchebag fucking on the ice. Respect. And and I I was like same same for you man like fuck but but he he said like you're actually fucking good guy nice guy fucking respectable guy I was like yeah fucking like doesn't matter what you do on the ice like you're trying to win fucking I do anything to fucking win. But they accepted me. It it took. It was awkward for like a fucking month. Was I'm it? Yeah, it was awkward. I'm not gonna lie. It was no, awkward. No, no. And I think for some guys on the lo- in the locker room too, it was awkward. They they battled me fuck for a long time, and I was always that fucking guy in your face, piece of shit, fucking that you know, 
will do anything to win. I think there's like two groups of NHL players. There's like NHL players who are like, I'm a professional athlete. I've trained really hard. I'm in the best league in the world. All teams in the NHL are good. We'll see what happens. And then there's some people who come to the NHL and they're like, I'm an oiler. I'm a flyer. I'm a saber. And I think that you were like an oiler. Yeah, I bought into it. Like yeah. I, I really bought into the whole oiler thing. And what did you at the time? We're, we're, we're joking in the beginning of this podcast about Bob Nicholson being asked what the culture of an oiler is. And he fumbled. And that's OK. He's a good, nice guy. But like to you at that time or even now, like what does being an Edmonton oiler mean? When you say like I bought in, what did you buy? I in? bought it. Steve Steos taught me. To I wanted block to fucking. Uh, I, I wanted to. Like, I want to win the fucking Stanley Cup. Whatever it takes. Like, doesn't matter. Like, like I ex- I changed my style of hockey, bought into my role. So fuck, I was what? What? I was hitting. I was being tough to play against. Defensive defenseman blocking shots. Fucking, you would have to like. I would fucking block it with my fucking face. That's buying into means like you risk your fucking own health and you do anything to fucking be the other team. Like nothing else matters really. Do you think Get, that you see, see guys in the NHL who don't buy in, who kind of come and go, and then there's guys who buy in and stay? Is that like a big, big difference. dividing yeah. point for players though? Maybe yeah. some that- some guys fucking bounce uh, bounce around. Not not all of them are like that some of them they're just traded for whatever traded reason and you know but some guys yeah like like you said fucking you see two different kind of can you tell as a veteran like when you meet a rookie in whatever league whether it's the nhr in the czech league or you like you have what it takes or you don't pretty quick yeah you can yeah Yeah, you can but the guy i play with i thought too like fuck he doesn't talent wise he he has it he had it but the his how he carried himself wasn't very like and stuff it's like fuck it's no but i guess you know you you shouldn't judge too early and i i think i judge too early people can change but i think people can change at their young age when you find when you meet a guy like that when he's 28 29 not a chance that's who he is that's who he is jay well, your hand in the air like you just sorry. didn't care. No, I didn't. But uh, I'm happy to talk to Larry Smee because <laughs> this is obviously very awesome for me. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Calgary. So, obviously, unfortunately, Calgary kind of didn't go as planned because of injury. Yeah. Kind of. Could you kind of walk us through kind of kind of what happened, and and kind of yeah, just kind of talk us through that chapter. <laughs> well, it was. Well, I had one. Uh, one uh, neck surgery when I was with, with the Oilers. But it kind of worked out pretty good timing because I, I had it. I only missed like two months of the season and then I was able to start the next season. But the, the, I thought or everybody thought the surgery went well and I didn't have I didn't have problems with my neck for the next five years or four years. Um, so everything was great. And then uh, when I arrived in Calgary, I finished the season, and then the next year, I got hit in Pittsburgh, um, and I was starting to experience the same things like before the first su- su- surgery, uh, losing feeling in my fingers, losing muscle like on my upper body, and kind of like I knew something was wrong. So they, I flew to see my surgeon in LA, and he did MRI, and apparently the the first surgery the, the bone segment or like the vertebrae 
where the surgery was didn't heal as planned. Um, so he he needed to do another surgery, which one, which was bigger one, longer one, um, longer recovery for that took like nine months. Um, yeah. And, and even after that, I, I think I, I came back too early and I played some games, but it wasn't, I didn't, it didn't feel right. Was it you wanting to try to push to come back early? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. And when, when I came back, the season was already going and then I was healthy scratch and then I was trying to push it too hard and, it was it was hard time and then fi- and then finally uh, another hit another hit and i felt like really weakness in my hands and yeah talked to the doctor and they shut me down for the rest of the year and the next year was my last year of uh, the contract and yeah we we just decided i'm going to i thought at that time i'm going to retire because you know the health is more important than yeah. I, at that time I had two yeah and when you're babies. forcing yourself back I mean you're probably there's a, probably a part of you that's thinking you know like I don't want this to be the end yeah like, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna prove to myself and prove to everybody else this doesn't have to be this way yeah you know and then that hit happens that, and- it, yeah it was it was pretty dark time in my in my life uh, but like I said uh, family comes first you know my when I look at my two little babies like I don't want them to have crippled dad just yeah. because he was trying to prove somebody or be a hero yeah you want to be able to play with them yeah. when they're yeah. five Real life, six yeah. years old you want to be able to take the belt to your kids yeah, like yeah, you no, did no, the year right yeah. no show mom my little guy needs so, it but <laughs> I'm more Canadian now so I didn't touch <laughs> yeah. them so not to like dwell too much on the but what what was the exact injury uh, uh, herniated oh, disc herniated in, between disc. my uh, C6 C7 and so the first surgery they put a plate and, and screws from up front to hold it and and piece of uh, piece of bone from my uh, from my hip, yeah. kind of slide it through, and it was supposed to heal and be like as a one piece, but that didn't happen. Uh, apparently, there was too much cartilage, so the segment was still moving and was pushing on my nerves and apparently spine. So they went from from the back and then like enforced the whole thing with wire and and more screws. So now it's like when you look at my fucking x-ray I'm like a fucking Robocop you're like Iron Man uh, seriously wow like it's, it's, fucking, it's, it's all white at this segment it's you the doctor the... saw it in, in Chag he's like like it's very like well done and like I can tell they did it because you're a hockey player and and where did they do the surgery in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles. Dr. Watkins yeah he, great guy and yeah and but he, he told me he's like this is a second surgery if I have to do a third surgery on your neck like it's gonna affect your life so this second, and that was in my mind too. So when they shut me down for the rest of the year and then we decided to take the year kind of, you know, totally off and retire, you know, good decision. I, I don't I don't regret it. It was hard for sure, mm-hmm. but can't thank enough uh, the, the Flames organization, you know, Brad and Brian. They helped me a lot. They they. Uh, let me do a little players development, a little scouting during the year. They let me fly to a farm team and watch some young guys and give them feedback. And they made me feel they made me feel like still part of the organization. And and even the guys from the locker room, you know, they they included me in like a team parties and like dinners and stuff. And so I didn't really feel like I was uh, on on the outside. Well, because once you come to peace with the fact that you know, like, just playing for me is literally a hazard, like a yeah. risk every time, like. 
now you not only are you losing that, but you're losing just the structure that you've had for what ten years. You know, that going to the rink every day and hanging out with the same guys, and like that's you feel like you're losing kind of like a family too, right? At the same time, and like honestly, any guy, any guy in the hockey is gonna what they miss the most about hockey is probably the locker room. Oh yeah, for sure. What's going on in the locker room with the buddies and like fucking you, you, so much? You play, fun. you play hockey for three hours a night. You practice for like an hour, but you're in that room getting therapy with those guys. You guys yeah. are going out for lunches together. You're yeah, going for skates a, in the morning. Off, like it's yeah. awesome. Like it's like I wish. People you wish can, everybody could have yeah, it. Right? it. I know. I think. I think it's like because I just. You can tell if you've played like at sixteen. You know what it's like to just have a, a room full of guys and yeah. just like the camaraderie there, right? And yeah. just at a pro level, you can just amplify that by ten. And everybody, oh. you know, to have everybody get to go through that would be something else. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't get to, and it's yeah, too bad. Yeah, too bad. Exactly. All right, that's going to do it for part one here, boys. This is turning into a to a marathon sesh. So we're going to break this into two parts. Real life podcast for week one. We'll be back next week, week two with Laddie Schmid. Excuse me there. I just lost my trend of thought. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.